Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a good football show. I am Patrick Darty, joined this fine Tuesday by Mr. Craig. Dennis Carter. It is draft week, so we're going to be digging into our favorite quarterback and receiver prospects before wondering if there is a single running back worth getting excited about, irregardless of landing spot, like someone who's just good enough that it won't matter, you know, kind of like the situation they land in. We will then break down some of this week's latest news, including Chris Carson versus Rashad Penny in Seattle and the supposed Kadarius trade chatter in New York. And also some of the supposed Darren Waller trade chatter in Las Vegas, which I don't even know if you can really classify it as trade chatter, but we're going to hit on that later. We will then end by taking a look at Denny's recent article profiling quarterbacks who target running backs in the receiving game. But first, Denny, first people say irregardless isn't a word. I'm pretty sure they added it. Uh, It's it's not a word. I can confirm. No, no, no. It's a word. It's a word. Uh, (laughs) I had two different things to ask you about. I think I'm going to start... Denny, electric toothbrushes. Yeah. Do you use a real toothbrush or do you use an electric toothbrush? I use a real toothbrush like a man. I'm kidding. <laughs> but, you know, it's <laughs> kidding everybody. But it, but it, it really is. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't like electric toothbrushes. I don't get them. Also, I can't I cannot part with the money that it re, that is required to purchase one. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that, Denny, because my wife is an electric toothbrush zealot. Uh, but her hers went like full zombie last week. <laughs> where it just kept vibrating even when it wasn't being used. Oh like you could just hear it. Like first off, like just like rattling everything, like rattling the windows off the hinges in the bathroom. <laughs> and then we just like determined, you know, we had to like kill it with the stake, you know, kill it right. with fire or whatever. And like everywhere we put it in the house, it just would not stop shaking and like scaring everybody. Cause it would turn on like random moment. Cause like we couldn't like put it in the trash yet. Oh no. I didn't even want to put it in the garage. I thought it might create like eerie sounds in the garage so it was, it was finally banished to the basement couch where it just oh, shut for days wait 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 you put the 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 vibrating zombie electric toothbrush on the couch downstairs yeah i did denny uh my <laughs> kids are still pretty young they don't really frequent it that room just quite yet uh there's they, they for some reason like to watch tv in our workout rooms so uh yeah well they here's the thing about kids they like to watch tv wherever they're not supposed to really watch it. of course and Danny, you know, very bougie fat. I have a workout room. Did you know that? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. But uh, yeah, congratulations, I guess. A minute, That's... 24 hours a day. Been... 
obviously. <laughs> obviously. Look at you. You're you're ripped. Of course. You can barely put on your shirt anymore. I know. I know. And look at there's no room at all to move in this shirt. Um, I'm, I'm podcasting with Derek Henry. Yeah, it's just clinging to me. Um, so yeah, I had to buy a new one and Lord almighty, are they expensive? I mean, there's yeah. not like now, of course, you know, it's 2022. So they're like hip indie electric toothbrushes, you know, at least marketed. So, um, but we went, we went, we popped for the full size, the Philips Sonic care. And uh, oh, I mean, it cost you more than one Ben Franklin. That's what I'll tell the people listening. Yeah. Well, you, you can always finance it, you know? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's on layaway at Kmart <laughs> and venture, uh, the, uh, many stores that still exist. Yeah, forty forty dollars a month for eighteen months, and uh, and it's all yours, really. Yeah. You know, it's easy, easy peasy. Uh, well, no, I don't. I don't use my. You know, my, my my wife uses one. She's tried to get me to convert. I've said no. Wives fact, are huge fans of electric toothbrushes. Huge, I've noticed. huge. Yeah. I, I, it makes you wonder, you know, who's paying them to, to promote well, it. Well, I think what it what it actually shows is that wives. Just actually listen to good advice. It's like the dentist is like, well, obviously just get an electric toothbrush. Yeah, uh, yeah. And my no, wife's like, oh, okay, yeah, you know about this. And that, yeah. I'm like, well, hold on a second. I've been using my bristle brush since the Great Depression, and I'm not switching. Right. Uh, it's a, it's 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 really like a uh, men would rather situation. It is. Yeah. yeah. It's men, a, men would rather brush their teeth inefficiently than. Go yeah, to it's huge. Men would rather <laughs> and us. But hey, here's the thing. I, I bought a charcoal toothbrush recently. Do you, have you heard about these? So is, is that one of the electric ones? Like the hipster one? No, no, no. It's it's a regular bristle thing and, and uh, manual, I guess. And yeah, it's it's charcoal. It's supposed to make your teeth a little whiter. I don't know. What, is, what does that even mean, charcoal? I mean, I know what charcoal is, but what, what does that mean with regards to a toothbrush? I don't know. I, I don't know. And, and actually, my wife was kind of concerned about it. She said, are you sure you want to put charcoal? In your mouth, I said, "Well, you know, not particularly, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I do want slightly whiter teeth, so we'll go for it." I've noticed charcoal has become a real big bar uh, marketing buzzword. Yeah, I, I was in like, and uh, I think I briefly was using like charcoal shampoo. And yes. So then my wife would yes. come in, you know, grill turkey burgers on my head, on my scalp while I showered, <laughs> which um, is rude. It's yeah, very rude. rude. But, but I mean, it was but efficient. That's... But I mean, come on. <laughs> Yeah, so I have I have charcoal in my mouth every morning. Is what I'm saying. Wow. Yeah, that seems. Uh, let's let's uh, go to like a, a Anthony Fauci town hall and ask him about that. Should Denny be brushing his teeth with charcoal, Doctor Fauci? And they're like, "How did you get on this call?" And then you're booted <laughs> uh, before you get the, the answer. No but, politics. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, anyways, uh, I don't know. Should we talk football now? I guess. I guess. Uh, I was I was gonna talk about the supposed scuttlebutt that the jaguars don't know who they're taking at number uh, one but i mean so they've amazing. known the number one pick since probably like january 18th or something i mean maybe i don't know i, I it's like trent balky just like watching trayvon walker cut-ups like every day on youtube and like like me uh you know at christian f i think is one of the big cut-up guys on youtube and trent balky is just like on his account like every day <laughs> uh, i have a very hard time believing they don't know who they're taking but, i i know i uh I believe it. I, I believe that uh, Hutchinson's, Aiden Hutchinson's uh, agent today, this morning, tweeted, uh, it's Tuesday and nobody knows. And I, I believe that. Uh, I think the problem You're is... You're a naive child. I, I, I think the problem is having the number one pick in a bad draft class. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Like, this seems to only happen to the Jaguars, where they weren't number one in the infamous uh, Eric Fisher draft, but they 
We're number two in the infamous Luke Jokel draft. Oof. And they keep getting, yeah, these elite picks. Well, for, I guess that's part of the problem is the Jags have an elite pick uh, every single year. Every year. And so I guess by despite the law of averages, they're going to have elite uh, high draft picks in nine quarterback years. But, yeah, they are always – I mean, I guess except for last year, they got the gift wrap number one pick until Urban Meyer decided to take a private jet home two days See, after look, the team. This is my issue with – uh, I think I think just generally general managers, whether it's for bad teams or good teams, are just way too confident in their assessments. Like, yeah, last year was a slam dunk. Like they obviously had to take Trevor Lawrence. But is he a slam dunk? Great NFL quarterback? Absolutely not. Like he, it could be, you know, there's a there's a, a downside there that we saw last year. I think it'll get better slightly. But are we talking about generational? Like he was a lock for being generational. That no, no, that's no more. In, I think he was the best year. quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. I do kind of buy into that. I mean, at least on paper. But we're seeing how on paper does not really. I mean, he had a real good game against the Colts or something in Week 18. So yeah, he he had a fadeaway uh, touchdown pass, which yeah. was nice. <laughs> I'm, I'm reminded of that about three times a day by Jaguars. I know, boy, they are clinging to that. Like they are clinging like, and Elon Musk is going to be like sing signal boosting all that. Now the new owner of Twitter, I bet he's somehow a Jags fan. I'm like, yeah, I mean, has anyone seen this row? Week 18. Yeah. Trevor Trevor Lawrence made 600 throws as a rookie. We found the one good one and uh, we're going to replay it over and over. The top of my feed. Every time I sign on is somehow a gif of like this throw from week 18. Wow. (laughs) Like I guess if this is the only real change they're making to Twitter, I don't really mind. But it's it was compared. Uh, it was compared liberally to the catch by from Joe Montana to, to Dwight <laughs> Clark in a uh, in a in a game against the Colts in Week 18. It really it's the it's the same importance uh, as, far as, <laughs> as far as game it's... game goes. I think it'll go down in history in the same way. I think we'll be talking it's... about. Uh, O'Shaughnessy or whoever caught that. Yeah, you know. Trevor Lawrence's gloves from that throw. If he was wearing gloves, are now in Canton. I'll check it out when we're there. When we're there this summer for the Fantasy Football Expo, yes, absolutely. sponsored by NBC Sports Edge. Indeed. Denny, no one would ever accuse you and I of being draft experts, but since this is, you know, our jobs, we aren't completely illiterate about the draft, and we are going to talk about the draft now. We haven't done a ton of draft talk on the show. They've been doing such a great job. On Mondays, the match drought, Kyle Dvorak, Eric Froton, and company. But we'll begin with quarterback today, where one of the prospects we have consistently talked about this spring is Liberty's Malik Willis. And this, are we, is he still the quarterback prospect we're the most excited about? Has anything changed in this pre draft process for you, either seeing or hearing things you don't love about Malik, or just having someone else kind of creep up your board, so to speak? Uh Or are we still? All in on Malik Willis is our favorite uh, quarterback prospect in this draft. Well, two days before the draft, I'm still looking for my board. It's somewhere in the yeah. uh, in my office. We're gonna we're gonna keep looking. This is the lawyers. Enough. You are required as part of your uh, remain with NBC agreement. I can't think of a cool legal word. We are uh, to have yeah. a big board. Uh, we're but. we're we're searching every day now. Uh, but you no, know, it's 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 Malik, and and I, the part of part of my excitement about Willis is that uh, it's clear, you know, judging from. I know anonymous QB coaches in the NFL and, and uh, uh, offensive coordinators, general managers, scouts, everybody are there in agreement that whoever is going to take him is going to have to change their offense, having to cater their offense uh, to his strengths. Right. So like we saw Nick Sirianni do in Philadelphia with Jalen hurts. So he tried to, 
to force the uh, Hertz into a, a sort of traditional pass heavy, you know, approach on offense didn't work. Pulled the plug, went super run heavy, and Jalen Hurts became became the number one quarterback in all of fantasy and was on his way to being the overall quarterback one on, on you know barring that injury late in the season to his ankle. So I think Willis is in is in a similar spot. And and you know the, this this talk about like oh he's he's so raw he's so raw I think that's a little a little bit overstated you know you, when you look at a c- completion rate over uh, over expected for quarterbacks in this CPO 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 uh, as the kids are calling it and uh, he's he's only behind Kenny Pickett uh, it, you know it's it's not it's not like it's uh, you know Pickett and Corral and Ritter and everybody and then and then uh, Willis is at the bottom by a long shot like he's. He's a he's a decent thrower. He also has an enormously strong arm that has been comped to Josh Allen. That's not bad. He's a decent yeah. So the arm strength is off the charts, obviously. But so like the whole pre-draft process, I was basically just focusing on you know dual threat good for fantasy and the nomenclature of today. But you know, I finally did dig in to the cutups yeah. as one, to, which is the best way to evaluate draft prospects is to watch several YouTube videos on the you know, 10 to 12 minute YouTube cutups, but I have been doing that. And so like, like Josh Allen, he certainly looks like he's going to be like a 50% passer early yeah. in his career. Right. Like a lot to do in the accuracy department. So, you know, he's the dual threat. He's smaller. That could draw Michael Vick comparisons, but like the Michael Vick comparison I see with him is like kind of like a weird hitch in his like throwing motion. I've seen the same <laughs> that I was not in love with. Like, uh, you know, nowhere near the level. He's a good runner, but nowhere near a Vickian level runner. And also not a Lamar Jackson level runner. He, he'd be an elite dual threat runner for a court. He'd be like a better dual threat than Kyler Murray. Not as good of a dual threat as Josh Allen because he la- lacks Josh Allen's size. But he's got that weird throwing motion hitch. But yeah, he's he'd be one of the two or three best dual threats in the NFL from a rushing perspective. He has like shockingly easy arm strength. But he looks like an even rawer and, of course, much smaller Josh Allen. It's still a profile worth right. taking a chance on. Right. But after I finally did like dig into it, I'm like, yeah, okay, it, it makes sense that this guy is a divisive prospect and not sure. considered like anywhere near a lock to be like a top five pick, top ten pick. I think in a in a more normalized draft class that has like like clear clear cut top guys and especially a quarterback, I think Willis would be like a really intriguing late first round or early second round pick. Of course, this class not being the best, he's being catapulted into probably into the top 10, right? I mean, you know, that's probably that's where we're looking. he could go as early as two to the Lions. If if the Lions do, if the, if the Lions, you know, uh, actually do something to improve their team. So um, in, in this draft now, uh, Willis is 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 small in, in, in that he's not six five. What is he? Six one. He's like six. Six one, I think. What, what do they say? He's six one wet or something. I think that's what their weight that they use that joke, of course. But right, six one on his. He's not very tall. He might be like six even, but in reality. But okay, and here's here's a here's a film term I'll throw at you. Malik Willis is thick. He is. He he's, is very thick. He's thick yeah, he's too. he's six foot even and a half. Okay, like he he's, he's two bills and nineteen. So uh, okay, he's but he's not wiry and lanky no, like no, Lamar no. Jackson. No, no, you no. know. Uh, um, he's, he's built more like Jalen hurts. I think I know hurts is, is taller, but as far as like the, 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 the thick build that, that, that matters that, you know, I, I think of Russell Wilson, uh, being, being small, you know, by height, 
but being being a thick boy and 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 you know running in early in his his career very difficult to take down uh you know avoided hits well but also absorbed them well i i think malik willis can can be an effective uh runner despite the despite the lack of size yeah he is the kind of quarterback prospect where I, we're going to be reading like lots of very dubious scout quotes about like his rump or behind like you got to love a quarterback with that kind of rump oh for yeah. sure Oh, also, you know, we're gonna. I'm gonna have to do an adjust the rank segment the first time uh, that that the wh- whoever drafts him tweets out a picture of his butt in, yeah, in training camp. It's gonna be it's gonna be all summer long. And, and, and say it's the Falcons or whatever, and they and they post a picture with just the peach emoji or something, you know. And, I, and I, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have to do <laughs> adjust. Oh, well, we will have to adjust there. And I had one. I think you made a really good point about Malik Willis, where. Any draft, he would be drawing some first-round buzz. But you are correct. If this were like a normal quarterback draft, he would have been in like the Lamar Jackson, Teddy Bridgewater zone where like someone might try to sneak in and get this guy at number 32. Yeah. So they get the fifth-year team option, and he wouldn't be getting any blue-chip hype whatsoever. He'd be getting all like upside yes. hype. Um, yes. And that's just not a luxury. And, in this and also, I mean, in that scenario, he would be very unlikely to play – or not very – less likely to play – if he were a late first, early second round pick, but if you're if somebody's spending top ten draft capital on him, there will be so much pressure to play him, especially because he's going to be on a crappy team that that eventually is is going to see no, you know, why are we not playing him? There's no there's no choice at, at some point. There will be a lot. I will say, I think if the Lions did the kind of unthinkable and took him at number two, that they probably would actually sit him for a little bit. Dan Campbell yeah, made sure. it pretty clear that he has not loved Jared Goff, but I think. <laughs> I think everyone knows Malik Willis that I mean, he's do play to Liberty. Like it's not going to be like probably a great situation. If you're throwing him out there week one, like he's going to need time. And like we the pendulum has kind of swung back where quarterbacks are rest, like sitting a lot as rookies again, like the past three or four years has become a trend again. Like we kind of went through that in like the late, what the heck do you call the first decade of this century? The, the late aughts. aughts, the aughts and like early teens were, quarterbacks just straight up stopped sitting as rookies they right. sit again and i think even if he went as high as number two he would sit again for a i could while. see them working him in uh into some like short yeah, yeah, for sure. packages and, and and things but yeah i mean you're probably right and, and campbell for as much as we praise him as i praise him as an analytics uh focused guy i i will say that uh he, he strikes me as the kind of old school coach who would say you're a rookie you're you're sitting i do think there would be eventually a scenario where he would have to play. Look, at all I'm interested in is having Malik Willis available for preseason DFS. Let's just yeah, let's just let, let's do that. I also think if the Lions take Willis, they won't have immediate self-loathing for the pick the way the 49ers did last yeah. year. And they will actually like have a Willis package, like you say. He never Kyle Shannon never even committed like the Trey Lance package bit. They'd be like, Oh, he hurt his pinky and he, he can't throw right. for a month now. Well, Shanahan, uh, at they, you know, they they were doing that uh, in the preseason. I, I believe even early in the regular season, they were they were throwing out Lance for certain packages. And eventually, Shanahan said, "Look, uh, this is too difficult on the team. Like, like I, I can't ask these guys to like shift comp- their the, the the philosophy of the offense every other play. Uh, so we're not going to do that anymore." And and he, you know, to his credit, he did stick with that because we didn't see Trey Lance. You know, hardly ever, except for that one game against the Texans. Yeah, he doesn't have a, a Jimmy Buffett pirate philosopher heart like Sean Payton, who just was going <laughs> to derail the offense no matter what. No matter every what. Every chance he got.
Yeah. With our, our friend, our dear friend, Taysom Hill. Denny's friend. Denny loves Taysom Hill. Uh, well, I, you know, you I, did. You became a you became a uh, the opposite of a hater. You were a Taysom Hill lover. I I enjoy a guy who can score fifteen fantasy points in the blink of an eye. Yeah, that's that is nice. Are there any other quarterback prospects that you're excited about or no? I mean, the answer can be no. Like, do you do you know enough to even like have no, like an excited no. opinion on <laughs> these guys or? I, I do. I, I, I'm interested in, in, in Ritter, uh, just from a, you know, I, I think that there is some, uh, you know, some, some viability for him as a dual threat, um, as, as someone who can produce on the ground, especially if, especially early in his career, if he's, if he's, you know, not going to be able to sit back there and, and read a defense, um, you know, maybe take off and, and garner and generate some, uh, fantasy points that way. Um, and you know, from from what I've read in, in the athletic and other publications, we could see him go like shockingly high on Thursday, um, to the point where, like I just said about Willis, he might be the the team might be forced into uh, into playing him earlier than we think. Yeah, Ritter in a normal draft would be like the quintessential. Like we are trading back into the first round to take this guy yeah. in the final three or four picks. And that could still be what ends up happening with him, or he could just not even go in the first round. But yeah, I agree. It's starting to seem more likely that someone's going to take him like shockingly high, quote unquote, and we're just not going to get that number thirty-two quarterback. You can't quantify these things headed into the the you know draft, first round of the draft, but you can say that there there's a certain amount of buzz and yeah. just enough talk online, especially where where you you say, oh man, like this is like all I'm hearing is about Desmond Ritter maybe sneaking to this team, maybe this team wants some bad enough to trade up like you know you're you're hearing that enough and, and there are enough uh quarterback hungry teams out there i think who who would go for something like that people are saying is what you're saying yeah i know it's uh, tough I, people were saying about ryan nasib one year i'll also say is it nasib or nasib i think it is nasib actually i always wanted to say nasib because that did would be he, a far more sensible way to pronounce did he go it. to the giants he did. He was r- rumored to go to the Giants in the first round, and then he oh. went in like the fourth round to the well. Giants. My, my middle quarterback thought is I would much, much rather take a first round shot on Matt Corral over Kenny Pickett. And we were talking yeah. recently, like Kenny Pickett basically seems like Mac Jones, like even less upside, like maybe even more of a finished product. Like not it doesn't have Mac Jones' size either. Yeah. And like everything Corral does is like smoother and faster. He's a better athlete with a better arm. I think that when I watch Kenny Pickett, I see like way too much of like the replacement level Kirk Cousins, and like way too much like Jimmy Garoppolo, or like he's got like a good release, but like there's just not much drive on the ball. I do not like the poor guy. I mean, I I just don't like Kenny Pickett as a prospect. And would much rather if I'm gonna take like yeah. a a moonshot, or I, I would much rather take it on Matt Corral than Kenny Pickett. Absolutely. I, I, I agree with that. Uh, the Athletics' Bruce Feldman uh, had you know interviews with multiple anonymous coaches in the NFL, and all of them to a T said, Pickett is fine. We know his ceiling because he's at his ceiling. Yes. And there's nothing really more to dig for here. Uh, so we, we know what we're getting. We don't know what we're getting with Malik Willis. We don't really know with Corral. We certainly don't know with Ritter. So um, at least, at least there's that, at least they, they feel at least these quarter, these, these coaches and scouts, they feel like they know Kenny Pickett's upside and it's, and it's not there. Maybe he'll fall to the Derek Carr zone early day two and just fall out of day one. It seems unlikely, but 
because there's you know some people want a finished product like they don't want the projection yeah I guess. yeah for um, sure i think the steelers profile as a team the saints seem to be all over him the, yes um, that the, them too but I, I, the steelers reportedly have more interest in Pickett than willis and that and that is it doesn't shock me you know i think it's actually the steelers just finally trying to smoke screen after doing the worst possible uh, job <laughs> ever of hiding their interest in malik willis as they did with Najee harris last year like the Steelers are like, well, probably it might be good if everyone doesn't know who we want yeah. to take by January third yeah. this year. Wow. Oh yeah, right. With like, oh yeah, Najee Harris. God, that was the weirdest thing. Well, like it was the same thing happened. Like, well, it was like the Steelers have a leaky front office. It seems, and like, they're, everyone they're, knows their pick from like the second the season is over. They're just so old school. Like they, you know, they don't they don't try to do anything fancy. They're just like, yep, yeah, we want a running back. So we're going to take the top yeah. running back. Yeah, and, that, and that's that. All right, we're going golfing. And uh, I was trying to think of who the Steelers quarterback is right now. And man, I had an internal laugh remembering it, who it is. It's uh, and, uh, You should look it up, folks. Don't even, don't even say it on air. I want people to look it up. Don't even say it. Because <laughs> it's like a nice little Easter egg every time you remember that. Mitchell Trubisky. Is the Steelers quarterback. Uh, listen if you're if you're listening to this show in late april you're a sicko who know who has known trubisky's the steelers quarterback for two months now i don't even the sickos forget stuff like that uh i mean we're very sick and i mean i remembered but yeah it's just Uh, mitchell trubisky (laughs) steelers quarterback and it's pretty funny one of the funniest things i've been reading uh, uh especially on news shifts is steelers beat writer saying well, you know, if you get Pickett, what do you do? Or whoever, you know, what what do you do with uh, Mason Rudolph? What do you mean? What do you do with Mason Rudolph? What yeah, do you, uh, it, you cut him? It doesn't matter. Who you can? thank him for his service? They they say, oh, well, what can you get him? Get for him in a trade? You can get nothing. In quite literally, trade. nothing. That's what you can get. Nothing, and you're gonna like it. Exactly. You know, and and you, who who in the Pittsburgh media thinks that Mason Rudolph was the heir apparent? Like he got his chances over and over and over again. And he's clearly at best, at best, a career backup. Steelers media is kind of clubby like that, where like they have a hard time seeing past the team spin sometimes. And yeah, yeah just not observing with their eyes. Like, oh, hold on a second. Mason Rudolph is a uh, God awful. And I'm has just- been. Horrible. <laughs> that game against the Lions last year was one of the worst quarterback performances in recent history. The only time he's ever good, this is unscientific, is when the Steelers are resting their starters in the final game of the season and the Browns desperately need to win in the final game of the season. Yeah. Mason Rudolph's been pretty good in that scenario. You're right. He throws for 120 yards and three touchdowns. No, no. He, he had one game where they seriously played their B team and the, the Browns had to win and he had like the uh, best game of his career. Yeah, uh, I think I had some DFS nightmares over that yeah, one. Yeah, probably, probably tried to block it out. <laughs> Denny, at wide receiver, you and I were both blown away by Alabama's Jamison, Jamison Williams, whose yeah. only red flag is that he is recovering from a torn ACL, you know, that little detail. Yeah. And had he not torn that ACL, by the way, Alabama probably would have won the national championship game. No offense, Georgia Bulldogs fans, but the complexion of that game. complete. Didn't you watch the whole national championship game, right? You love college football, especially games that end at like 1245 Eastern. I no, I, I did I did watch that game and much to my chagrin and uh and it was horrible actually. Yeah. <laughs> so is Jamison Williams the receiver you think we should be most excited about long term yeah. in fantasy, or is he just the the whose player whose traits we're most excited about? That's a good that's a good qu- way to to 
phrase it because I I think <laughs> I think the traits are what excite me. We had a, a blurb the other day about you know his speed and his uh, you know after the catch speed being similar to Tyreek Hill's like that. That's the sort of thing that catches your attention. And uh, and he is he is just unbelievable, blazing fast with the ball in his hands. 19 and a half yards per reception before his injury. That was the highest in the nation for wide receivers who saw at least 50 targets. So and uh, I, I, I'm excited, but I keep hearing New York. He's going to the Jets. I keep hearing the Jets are, are not going to let him fall past past them. But that's not good. I feel like I feel like I, I'm not so excited that I'm going to say wherever he lands, I'm in because no. Zach Wilson was that bad last year. And yeah. He was a one-year wonder too. And you don't want a one-year wonder ending up with the New York jets. Like how he was a one-year wonder. I don't really understand. I don't understand how Ohio state. So he was an Ohio state transfer, I believe. Yes. He was. I, I don't understand how that happened. I mean, Ohio state is like receiver you right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Still seems like maybe they could have found a way to use this guy who, when I, when I see Jamison Williams play, I mean, even when I was just watching him play, you know, as a casual college football fan last fall, like from like a size and like speed perspective, he, I feel like he's like a missing, he's like the, the common ground between like Julio Jones and Tyree kill. And like truly not trying to compare his skill set to those two, but like he's bigger than Tyreek. He's not as big as Julio, but he's got a little bit of Tyreek's game and he's got a little bit of like Julio's kind of like power game. I feel like right. maybe he does. Maybe I just like projecting that cause he's, he's real, he's rocked up, but like, he seems like kind of like a, a missing link between those two to me and just like accelerates off the screen yeah. basically. And he's, but, he's just the guy when you watch him, you're like, wow, like this guy is just amazing. It's uh, I believe that the, the, the Tyreek comp, uh, holds water when you when you see him in the open field catch a ball and he eviscerates angles yeah okay yes. like that's like, a good way to put it you know like cornerbacks and safeties if you're watching his cutups they have angles they have great angles to catch him and they don't and sometimes they don't even come close and that's something you don't really see all that often whether it's college or the nfl no that's a really good yeah that's a really good point you don't even see a you don't even see it in college that often. Right. It's not, especially with Jamison Williams. I mean, I mean, I know it's college. He's playing in the SEC. Like a lot of these guys are five-star recruits who know how to take an angle on a receiver. And like you said, he just embarrasses them. <laughs> yeah, there, there are times when, when he, when he, you see the angle and you go, okay, well, this plays over. Like, like, it, like it's a good gain. It's a 30 yard gain or whatever. And then bang, he's gone. You know, you know what else is embarrassing is that Jamison Williams is yet another product of the city of St. Louis, Missouri, who did not even consider the University of Missouri. And uh, Elijah Drinkwitz, we have we have to fix this, okay? Um, <laughs> we have to fix this. They're listening. They're listening. Oh, yeah, Elijah, if you're listening, we got to fix this. We're, we're doing good work this offseason, but we got to fix this. Uh, and I lost my train of thought now when I was shouting out Elijah um, Drinkwitz. We're, we're just talking about Jamison Williams mostly. Yeah. I mean, who, any other receivers that – get us as excited as Jane. It's a, it's a very good receiver class. I mean, a lot of like yeah. uh, a lot of like different kind of skill sets too. like some dudes like, like Drake London kind of like reminds me of like Darren Waller, which, you know, isn't the best thing since he is a wide receiver, but just a lot of varied skill sets in the receiver class. Is there anyone else that really excites you or are, are we all, all in on Jamison Williams? Nobody to the extent of, of, of Jamison Williams. I, I will say, that I, I've seen enough Drake London slander over the past two weeks to make me 
to make me really question uh, his bona fides as like as like a future wide receiver one for whatever team he you know he goes to. Yeah, I mean he plays big, but he's a guy. He's just like the classic. It's not good when you're entering the NFL and it's already clear you're gonna have to be a guy that like wins in close quarters, basically. Yes, right. Like, like some people make do make a career of that, but it's a a much lower margin for error path to for your like your star NFL career to be a guy who like wins hand fights and like goes over the top of people constantly. Right. Like, this seems definitely like what Drake London's gonna have to do. I, I will say Hayden Winks of Underdog fantasy uh, had had a good point about London which is that he was used quite often on screens near the line of scrimmage almost constantly and <laughs> right and so he you know that that you know really skews the numbers and the the and you know kind of creates some uncertainty as to as to where the the belief that he can't separate comes from is it from that that sort of usage where you know you're not separating if you're not leaving the line of scrimmage and you're catching the ball that that could be a, a kind of an overlooked factor head, heading into the draft I will say, I mean, again, this is, I feel like it's not good when you're having to like explain a receiver skills this way, but he does kind of remind me as like a good rebounder in basketball where like he f- knows how to position himself in like tight quarters. Like he yeah. does seem to have kind of an uncanny understanding of like the space on the field and where to position himself. And he does seem really good at that. But yeah, I, Drake, Drake London just strikes me as a, you got to be so confident that he's going to be able to like make this narrow path to success work. Right. And it just doesn't usually work out. I'll say I'm over the moon about Traylon Burks and maybe it's because every time he played Mizzou, he had like 172 yards, but he reminded me, it's not just because he was at Arkansas. When I was watching him, I was like, this guy reminds me of somebody. And I realized that it was Darren McFadden. And which again, not, always the best when you're comparing a receiver to a running back but he's just like he is like so smooth and fast for like his size like he's he's sudden as scouts were saying for like a year or two i think they've already like given up on that buzzword <laughs> but just like darren mcfadden just so much speed and like fluidity for his side i mean darren mcfadden came kind of downhill in the nfl actually where he wasn't known as a side to side mover yeah but just like this, I feel like very instant, very sudden for Traylon Burks, and he's so big. But he's got like some pretty legit receiving skills too. And he was like the kind of guy, much, much more than Drake London, of like the questionable, like kind of like day one receiver prospects that I want my team to take a chance on. Cause I just think like he's a nasty, nasty size speed prospect. It feels like the NFL is, is shifting uh, more toward you know, a, a future where every receiver will be six foot one, 180 pounds. It's true. And, and so you wonder about these guys coming out now who are enormous, who kind of fit the mold of like a Mike Evans. And I think, I think Mike Evans might be like the last of his kind uh, in, in, in a, in a way of this guy, dominant a thousand yards every season, dominant red zone guy like that i just feel, feel like the future the future of the nfl is not that it's more it's more jamison williams it's it's more these guys who are uh, much smaller and incredibly fast you know that's that's the the key point you just sound like someone like mourning the death of the british empire to me I, know, am, I, I am i listen back in the day i was i was team big wide receiver i thought that that was the way to build a team I, from both a real football and fantasy football standpoint it's not like we lost. We didn't lose the battle. We lost the war, man. Yeah. Like, like it, teams, teams have, you know, very little interest in like, 
and like uh, establishing an offense, creating an offense that caters to like the big man on the outside anymore. That's just, that's not it. I will say, I mean, we might've begun to see the counter. I mean, the NFL is nothing but a series of revolutions and counter revolutions. Yeah, right. And whereas we saw teams like putting the clamps on the Tyreek Hill type stuff last season, maybe we'll move like, well, we're just have to like beat these people up with big receivers again. And like if they're going to go over the top and contain our speed, maybe we just have to start beating people up with big receivers again. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what the Patriots are, are trying to well, do. That's right? definitely what the Patriots are trying to do. I mean, yeah. let's, let's see if it works. Cotton. Hey, best of luck. Strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Best of luck. It's a real bold strategy. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't love it. I don't love deciding Devonte Parker. I don't love paying trillions of dollars to Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry, but we'll see how it goes. We will see how it goes. Cotton. And Denny, I mean, do we have anything to say about the running backs? It's just sure. It's the lowest wattage running back class in a really long time. And I tried to phrase this properly in the intro, <laughs> but is there a single back who excites you, like independent of landing spot? Like it won't matter where they end up. Like you believe in the skills, or is this like just a totally context dependent running back class? I, I think you know mostly it is. Yes, absolutely context uh, dependent. I will say, and this might sound weird because of the pass catching aspect here, but I will say that if I had to name one guy who I would be excited about, you had to name one running back in this class, which, you know, know, I take, I take no pleasure in knowing about a running back, but, (laughs) um, but, but I I do know about one and his name is Kenneth Walker is out of Michigan state. Now I I know that that, that sounds strange because it's like independent. He, he doesn't catch passes. So like, what, what is his upside? Well, our colleague Pat Corain, who has done great write-ups on tons of prospects from you know from an analytical standpoint, and I just I can't get enough of it. I recommend everybody go to NBC Sports Edge uh, and and check those out. He's talked a lot about elusive elusiveness as a key to determining who can make defenders miss tackles in the NFL rather than just you know get getting what is blocked. You know, kind of like last year with with Najee Harris. He he wrote this. Pat Corain wrote this about Kenneth Walker recently. Among day one and two running backs, Walker's 2021 season is the best single season finish in elusiveness per game in the pro football focus database. Okay. Leonard Fournette's freshman season and Dalvin Cook's sophomore season came in second and third right behind Walker. Walker is a little less impressive from a career perspective, but still ranks in the 91st percentile in elusiveness. I, I do think that, you know, the likelihood is he becomes an early down guy uh, who gets very little passing down work, just judging from his lack of production. He ran a lot of routes, by the way, at Michigan State, didn't was not targeted a lot and didn't do a lot, balls. Yeah. didn't do a lot when he caught it. So we have questions, major questions, rightfully so about that. Now, if he lands, I know we just talked about independent of a landing spot, but if he lands <laughs> on a good team, on a team that generates a lot of positive game scripts and is good for that early down role to be more dependable from a fantasy standpoint, I will be very excited. He did put kind of put the team on his back. Like Michigan State really overachieved last year, and he was a, a big part of that. So, yeah, I've been kind of buying in to the Kenneth Walker love uh, myself. So Crane's, by the way, Crane is the guy you should be reading on this. So please, <laughs> yes. we have a few days left for the draft. Go check. I mean, even check out after the draft. It's going to be highly valuable still. And he's going to have more stuff coming after the draft, but go check out Crane's work. Go check out Kyle's work too, team needs and stuff. Just, we have a lot of really valuable draft stuff if you have not hit it up yet. And uh, Denny and I will be right back after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? 
also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. It's draft week, and we have you covered. Thursday night after round one, we will be live on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel following the first 32 picks in Las Vegas. I, Patrick Darty, will join Matt Straub, Warren Sharp, and rotating analysts from our Edge team to break down all the big storylines from both a fantasy and betting perspective. The show will be available in the Bet the Edge and Good Football Show podcast feeds on Friday morning. Please check it out. We're really excited about it. Notice I didn't mention Denny in the promo because Denny goes to bed at 7.45. Denny's actually going to miss the entire draft, right? I Yeah, I, I will go to bed one minute before Roger Goodell names the first pick. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, sleep is very important. I'm going to time it just right. I'm going to close my eyes. This is he goes, the Jacksonville Jaguars select. I'm going to go, whoop. Yeah, Denny, I have bad news. You have to stay up for the entire draft. You no. don't have to do the podcast, but you do have to stay up the entire draft. I will. I, will. I haven't even yeah, told you that. I mean, I think you remember that. You, you have to work. All night Thursday, all night Friday, and all day Saturday. So I do, I do remember, I do recall uh, that. Tell your wife's divorce attorneys um, when you'll be working this weekend. <laughs> Danny, the New York Daily News's Pat Leonard created quite a stir last Friday when he reported the Giants were shopping 2021 first rounder Kadarius Tony. Are we lending any credence to this, or do we just think this is more about a new brain trust trying to motivate Tony into attending uh, what are supposedly yeah. voluntary OTAs? Yeah, they're not they're, they're not voluntary, no. you know, like like they, especially for a second year guy who missed a ton of time no. and had some issues. You know, it, no, the it guys was, got it like was, injured by like the wind in 2021. Yeah. They kind of wanted well, to show up at OTAs. It, it was never voluntary for a guy like Kadarius Tony. I think that this was just a little bit of a temper tantrum from Brian Dable and the new new Giants staff and, and saying, you know, this is this is unacceptable. And maybe they spread some, you know, some, some rumors, some reports about, Hey, you know, maybe, maybe we'll trade him. We don't know. They're not trading him. Okay. Like he's on his rookie, rookie deal. He, he flashed to the extent that they would be in last year to the extent that, that they would be insane to, to consider parting with him right now. I mean, it would be selling like ludicrously low, like at a moment of like extreme weakness, they would get like probably at most like a third round pick. Just be yeah. like, maybe if teams had like called them, about Kadarius Tony, like, listen, you guys didn't draft this guy. Are you interested in trading him for like a second round pick or something, but like and them, like floating it themselves, like 
this it wouldn't it just wouldn't work unless they like truly dislike the player you know like our and like get whatever they can mode but yeah so the fantasy community we probably overrated Kadarius tony last year but it was definitely an inconclusive see it was not what you'd call a bad like there's still a lot of upside here and it would just be crazy there there certainly can't be and like get whatever they can territory for Kadarius tony yeah i guess the worst case scenario or best case scenario i'm sorry for the giants would have been someone some team jumping on that and being like yeah yeah we'll we'll give you a rounder you know like whatever but yeah i mean they could trade with dynasty managers yeah yeah (laughs) it would be all over it yeah yeah i i i'm probably too a little too excited about Kadarius tony i the yeah we saw Kadarius tony make a jump cut once and then you and i talked about him the rest of the year uh come on come on he he dominated for three games actually did uh in a terrible offense god Horrible. Anyway, I, I am I am excited. The one thing I, I do get a little bit freaked out by the fact that uh, he seems not to endear himself to coaches and doesn't seem too interested in uh, being like a pros pro. No, he's a unique personality. Uh, he's he's kind of out there. So yeah, we're going to have to watch that. Yeah, well, our, our people are on it. We're yeah. watching it. The Seattle Times Bob Condotta reported last Friday that it, quote unquote, remains unclear if or when Chris Carson and his neck injury might return in 2022. I know some people have been scooping up Carson and like best ball drafts and are still projecting him as the Seahawks starting running back. I mean, do we really think at this point he's going to be the lead back over Rashad Penny, who was the best running back in the NFL in December, got pretty good money from the Seahawks, you know, a team now that is going fully run based. Now they've finally gotten rid of Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll's eyes. Yeah. Uh, what is your evaluation of the situation, Carson versus Penny? I, I I don't see a scenario where I could draft Chris Carson right now in a, no. in a best ball league. Like, yeah, it's, it's like where would the like, what is the value? Like, what is truly the upside? I yeah, what what is the best case scenario? The best case scenario is that like he makes a miraculous week one start, but then there's issues with the neck and and all sorts of other things that he's dealt with. Also on a in a horrible offense that really won't be able to run it as much as Pete Carroll wants to. No, man, I I'm not excited about either of these guys. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty depressed about how the Seattle uh, backfield shook out this off season. I, I'm still, I'm excited, but anytime you, even if it's like a pretty small sample size, if you're like the best running back in the league for five or six games, like I, I am excited about Rashad Penny. It's of course hard to stay excited about Rashad Penny He's been in the NFL four years and been healthy for like maybe two total months, like truly healthy. That's also where it comes in with Chris Carson. Rashad Penny has been healthy more recently. He's had a better stretch of football than Chris Carson ever had. And it's not just the neck with Chris Carson. I mean, Chris Carson, he's just such a violent runner where he was injury prone, quote unquote, even before the neck. Yeah. And it's just like the upside is just gone. Yeah. There's no path to upside with Chris Carson. Where I still see a path to upside with Rashad Penny. Yes, I absolutely I agree. But but the you know the Seattle backfield just holds so little fantasy intrigue for me uh, unless they do something wild in the draft or my draft yeah, Desmond yeah. Ritter. So right, I mean, so it, it could it could get better. But at the moment, I'm I'm thinking that I don't want running backs lining up behind Drew Locke. I just had the nightmare scenario of the Seahawks drafting Kenny Pickett and. Like the team, they would have to fold the franchise. I mean, no offense to Kenny Pickett, but also offense to Kenny Pickett. They have to fold the <laughs> franchise if they draft oh, you. 
You know what they would do? They would yo-yo him in and out of the lineup with Drew Locke all year. Yeah, well, he'd, he'd be there solely to push Drew Locke. Because right, Drew Locke is just, I mean, let's be real, he has so much untapped potential still, Denny. Um, you sound, sound like I'm podcasting with Pete Carroll. Yeah, yeah. you're podcasting with a Mizzou alum who did badly want Drew Locke to succeed. And now we'll fully admit to anyone who listened that he should never take another NFL step. They, they gave it a, more than a college try in Denver. They did. And it yeah, the Broncos wanted him to be a thing so bad. Really bad. And I mean, did, but did you see he knew the the words to that rap song? He did. He, was, he was really good at that at Mizzou. He was yeah. good. At, he was a he was a TikTok star before that was a thing. It, it's great. Um, like I I was I was enthused about his NFL prospects once I saw him on the bench, knowing the words to every song and dancing along. That's great. That's great. I think that that that'll pay off for him in the yeah. long run. He was a talker before that was a thing. I don't even have a prompt prepared for that. I mean, Darren Waller. Darren Waller. What's the deal? With, I mean, what's he the was, deal? He was going to, what, what's the deal? With, I mean, I mean, following this, anyone watching the Darren Waller, uh, Jay Leno, Zoomers know who Jay Leno is. No, they have um, no, they don't even know who Conan O'Brien is. Hey, first right. off, NBC, we're probably still paying both of them. Um, so watch what you say. <laughs> You're right. Uh, <laughs> but, and rightfully so. I'm yeah. Sure. So there was some scuttlebutt last night that the Packers were targeting him in a trade. Since we've begun this podcast, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler has reported there is zero chance he has traded oh, well. any any credence whatsoever. Darren Waller could be wearing a different uniform in 2022. Didn't he? I mean, you you have to believe that the Packers are on the death tilt about about their pass catching situation. It's bleak. I mean, really bleak when you're looking at I don't know what Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard guys who probably couldn't make like 10 teams in the league, like couldn't make the final roster. I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand what they're doing or like how Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers could be in such a bad situation this year that he just stops. They just stopped. Well, I think Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. I, I'm not trying to slander him with this. Like he's always been a hyper competitive individual, but he seemed like maybe he just decided like, screw it. It's just time to play for the money, man. And like, I gotta, you know, like, this is the, the one thing I'm super good at. I gotta make, take home as much money as possible in my late thirties. And if I don't, I just don't care if we're competitive anymore right. because like, that's basically the state of mind he has to take with this right. supporting cast. I, it's, it's, it's really awful. Like their whole offense was pitch and catch between him and Devonte Adams and you take you take one of those guys away and it doesn't doesn't work you know like i i i just i'm very confused so so anyway yeah they're they're going to have to try to land somebody whether it's through the draft or via trade or something they cannot go into the season with their current pass catch uh, catching uh, room or wide receiver room he might legit retire if they don't use a first round pick on one of their first round picks on a wide receiver. They they have to. They they just they just have to. Like, Listen, Aaron Rodgers, he's become a political lightning rod. But I mean, it would just be it would be a hostile act to not even Aaron Rodgers deserves the receiver. It would be a, an overtly hostile act to not draft this yeah, man a we, wide receiver. We have a we have a question in the chat from Jason Good about why is Amari Rodgers not being discussed here. Uh According to several beat writers, the team was very disappointed in how Amari Rogers operated in the offense and uh, see him more as a special teamer than, than an every down wide receiver. Now, by default, he could get some, some snaps in, in the slot or whatever, 
but you know they they wouldn't have uh, acquired Randall Cobb I think if they if they would have been comfortable with with Amari Rogers there. Yeah, there was kind of like seemed like instant buyer's remorse with Amari Rogers last summer. You know, right? The 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 signs were not good from the get go, and yeah. he needs to have like the off season of a lifetime. I will receivers have quite frequently got off to slow career starts with Aaron Rodgers. Like he's like Tom Brady basically, where it's like as much about like telepathy. It's like your football skills sometimes. Like they want that, like that, like almost like blindfold level of chemistry, and that takes several years. But Amari Rogers did not get off to a good start building that no. last summer, last season. Uh, we'll be right back to talk about Denny's article. It's NFL Draft Week, and everyone is trying to figure out who's going to be the number one pick on Thursday. Our partners at PointsBet have cooked up a contest that you won't find in any other sports book: the PointsBet Perfect Ten, presented by Chris Sims. Why perfect 10? Because that's exactly what you will need to be perfect in selecting picks one through 10 for the draft on Thursday evening. And if you're perfect, you can win $100,000 in free bets from PointsBet. Go to pointsbet.com for more info. Danny, I mean, you get the first 10 picks of the draft right every year, right? Uh, every year since 2007. So not not <laughs> not forever, but yeah. Since yeah, you didn't in 2007. You missed a few, but before that, you even did a few years even before 2007. That's so. right, Danny. I don't know if the folks out there know this, but you literally never stop writing. Um, <laughs> ever, ever. It's true. Um, you literally never stop writing. This week is an article on quarterbacks who target running backs in the passing game. I'll begin with settle it once and for all. Are running back targets a quarterback stat, Danny? They 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 seem to be. For the most part, and you know, you look at uh, the guys at the top here, and in, in their target share to running backs, you have Garoppolo, Stafford, Derek Carr, uh, Mac Jones, Tom Brady. So the, you know, these are guys who are not fleet afoot, as as no. they as my kids say all the time. <laughs> it's a <laughs> no. famously Zoomer phrase. They love it. They love. They just go around saying fleet afoot all the time. I think it's a band actually, Fleet of Foot. But the yeah, and and so I, I wrote up a few of the guys who jumped out here, including Derek Carr. And it's kind of a you know, a a a, a quarterback who targets running backs heavily is now being coached by a, a coach who targeted running backs heavily for years and years and years in New England. From 2017 to 2021, the Patriots under Josh McDaniels has the second highest running back target share in the league. Uh, of course, this led to big seasons for James White. I'm sorry if you can hear my dog. Yeah, he's that. he's a good boy. He's he's a bad boy right now. James White had big seasons. Then he's rolling up a newspaper underneath. <laughs> <the desk. laughs> 218 targets for James White from 2018 to 2019. That is a lot. You know, McDaniel's use of the screen game didn't change at all under uh, with Mac Jones under center in 2021. The the New England passing offense. And its lack of clear-cut backfield pass catchers like White led to kind of a smattering of targets from for Ramadre Stevenson and, and Brandon Bolden and, and Damian Harris. Um, but the Patriots last season gained 10% of their passing yards on running back screens. That's the 11th highest rate in the league. I think the takeaway here is that uh, Derek Carr could be you know peppering his running backs with targets. Now, who that's going to be, I don't know, because... You have Kenyon Drake. You have Josh Jacobs. It's who, never Josh Jacobs. Well, it, it was once. It kind of was finally. It, he but. was he was running back six over the over the last month and a half of the uh, of the season, and, and well, he, the only running back who mattered then was Rashad Penny. So no one even paid attention to that. Uh, but Kenyon Drake is supposed to be healthy and uh, to start this season. So I guess 
I guess we'll see, but uh, they, they do. We should keep an eye on who's going to be catching those passes operating in that pass catching role in the Vegas backfield. Cause it could be very valuable for PPR purposes. Yeah. Josh Jacobs had several, I think in the Darren Waller injury zone, had like several, like five or six catch performances. And we've always known he had that skill set. I think he caught over 50 balls finally last year to him. He's always had the skill set. Like you say, it could be like a perfect marriage of scheme and personnel between Josh McDaniels and Derek Carr for this. So yeah, keep an eye on Josh Jacobs, folks. Yeah, and uh, another guy I wrote about is uh, Matt Ryan. And well, read, read the header. Read the header from your article for the Matt Ryan uh, section. Matt Ryan, Cement Shoes, and Naheem Hines. There you go. That's the that's the header. But by the way, here, here's something I didn't expect. I, I logged on one morning, as you do, uh, and I had a uh, I had a, 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 a several tweet exchange with someone who was trying to convince me that Matt Ryan is indeed a mobile quarterback. Is a uh, Elon it, Musk was doing this, but borderline a borderline dual threat quarterback, Matt Ryan. Um, this, this actually did happen. It did happen. You can look it up on, I mean, on he is maybe the least mobile quarterback of the past five years. And so I couldn't figure out, cause usually this is from a, this is, this comes up from a deranged fan, right? So I click on the profile and I look through and I'm like, okay, is this like, did, is his last name Ryan? Could it be Matt Ryan's family member? <laughs> uh, is he a Falcons fan? No, not a Falcons fan. Is he a Colts fan? No, not a Colts fan. You know what he is though? He's a Boston college alum. There you go. And there it is. And that I found it. I found it. I felt like a, an investigator trying to, you know, trying to seek out the truth. I found it. You love Boston College. You remember Matt Ryan there 20 years ago. And so you think that he's mobile. It's weird. Yeah, BC fans, they don't have a lot to cling to either. I mean, they're just desperately waiting for A.J. Dillon to finally go off. I, I mean, until then, they're going to be claiming Matt Ryan's a dual yeah. threat quarterback. So, so, you know, let's get real. Uh, he, Matt Ryan has generated some, some really good seasons for running backs via the passing game, including Devonte Freeman. He saw a uh, Freeman in uh, 2019 had a 13% target share in 13 games that came out to 70 targets or 5.4 per game. Th- that's solid enough. Colts head coach, Frank Reich and, and Chris Ballard, the GM in Indianapolis said in late March that they want Naheem Hines to be more involved in the past game. Now I know, look, I know any coach with a pulse is going to say, we need running back B to be more involved in the passing game. I get it. But Hines it ha- ha- has proven effective as a pass catcher. In 2020, he was the, the he was third in targets and receptions with Phillip Rivers throwing the ball. Phillip Rivers, of oh, course, God. being famously not fleet of foot. Okay. And he, he was also the guy that proved running back targets were a quarterback stat. Oh, for sure. Because um, it didn't matter who the – man, I was – this, I've been just so pre-triggered by the Naheem Hines stuff because you know who also can catch passes is Jonathan Taylor. I know. And when Jonathan Taylor catches a pass, uh, there's this decent, ch- a non-zero percent chance he will score a 76-yard touchdown. When Naheem Hines catches a pass, that is not a potential yeah. outcome. Yeah, you know, and, and they were working with a quarterback last year in Carson Wentz who traditionally has not targeted running backs uh, to, to a very low extent, 10% or so. Uh, of his throws have been to running back. So neither guy got, got much work, but we're weirdly, you know, they signed Naheem Hines, the Colts do to it, to a, a pretty big deal, hefty extension right before, right before the season. And then they have him run around on one third of their pass plays. Whereas Jonathan Taylor was at about 39%. So I, I don't, I don't really know what the plan was there, but they seem re-energized about Naheem Hines as a pass catcher in Matt Ryan's backfield. Man, and just 
sometimes even good front offices just you just don't have a plan occasionally and like you know immediately chris bowers probably like, well yeah i probably shouldn't have done that mm-hmm. uh yep. but uh yep. i did and so what are you gonna do, what are you, gonna do? <laughs> I, you gonna sue me yeah i actually might sue him if they do it they uh they really like naheem i, you know, I think that 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 you know, there's something to be said for that. Like they teams that that fall in love with the player as a person, and they say, "Okay, like it's time to pay you." And there's that's something fine. to be said for liking people. Sure, let's go. Um, let's go with that. One final thought from your article, Denny. Yes, last thought uh, is that oh, our guy Mitchell Q Trubisky the <laughs> third, possible Steelers week one starter, is among the guys who throw to running backs the most per the data. So he should be able to keep the Najee Harris target train chugging along this year after Harris uh, led all running backs in um, fantasy points expected through the receiving game. I don't know how that happened, but it did. And uh, it's a key component to his uh, fantasy appeal. So I think Trubisky can keep that going. I think so too. And yeah, I mean, there's no, not going to be any touch competition for Najee Harris. And there's some debate over how effective his rookie season truly was, but uh, not much debate over how much he got the ball or how much no. he's going to get the ball this season, <laughs> yeah. especially with Ben Roethlisberger gone. That's right. So, yeah, all systems go on Najee. All systems go on the end of this show. It's a very good show today. I mean, it's always a good show. But yeah, we, 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 we have a lot of thoughts on draft prospects, actually. I, I, I had more thoughts than I thought I had. I had. Yeah. <laughs> we have a lot. But we so we're, 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 we're not draft dummies, but we're not draft experts. We have so many of those at NBC Sports Edge. Dot com. Yeah. So please check it out this week because the content is not stopping between now and Thursday. Just so much good stuff already out there from Pat Corain, Kyle Dvorak, Eric Froton, the entire college side of our website. So please check it out. Just so much great stuff. Check us out on the website. Sit with us on the website Thursday evening. Listen to the podcast Thursday evening or, you know, when you're driving around this weekend. We're going to be logged on all weekend. So thank you so much for joining us today. Join us later this week. For Denny, I am Pat. We'll talk to you later. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.